Good morning, and welcome to New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN, where our goal every Sunday is to entertain, enlighten, and expose you to information that could lead to positive change in your life. I'm Larry Hardesty. Well, it's that time again. Our good friend of the show, Robert Sinclair, the Senior Manager of Public Affairs at AAA Northeast, will join us, and he's got some very alarming numbers and things that you really need to look out for, especially as the weather changes, as the time is changing, as the seasons are changing. Make sure you have a pen, pencil, piece of paper handy, or your smartphone, you know, that iPad, whatever you use to take down valuable information, because you'll need phone numbers and website information that you'll hear this morning. And of course, thank you for making us a part of your day while preparing for an early run or perhaps a sunrise service. We'll begin this edition of New York Sports and Beyond after this timeout. Ever since I took over the show from Bill Daughtry, one of the things he said to me was, you always have to have Robert Sinclair on from AAA Northeast because he has some of the best information for the audience. And much like just about everything Bill Daughtry told me, he was right. Robert Sinclair always has great numbers. He might be a little depressing, but he makes you aware of some of the things you need to look for. So let's welcome in Robert Sinclair this morning. He needs no introduction. But I'll introduce him anyway. Say good morning to Robert Sinclair. He is, of course, the Senior Manager of Public Affairs for AAA Northeast. Hello, Robert. Good morning. Good morning to you, Larry. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate your very kind words. Well, my pleasure. My pleasure. Robert, um, let's, let's start by looking back, okay? And I'm curious yeah. because I know you guys do a travel analysis of Labor Day every year. And I know you don't have the, you might have some numbers, you don't have the total numbers yet, but I'm curious as to how, especially with bridges and tunnels, how busy it was compared to last year. Cause last year, 2020 heavy COVID right this year, a little better COVID still some concerns, but a little better. But I know also there was the tendency in both years of people just trying to get out of the house and go somewhere. So give me your thought process on how you think, I know you know about 2019, but how do you think 2020 and 2021 are going to uh, sync up? Well, without a doubt, um, last year was a down year. Uh, 2020 was a down year, lockdowns, all those kinds of things. And we did not do nationwide projections for Labor Day going back for a few years now. But we locally have been looking at bridge and tunnel traffic on the intra-New York City bridges and tunnels. Those are the ones that come under the, the heading MTA bridges and tunnels. We used to call it Triborough Bridge and Tunnel Authority. And we looked at the total numbers, and in 2019, 5.8 million vehicles used the facilities in the, let's see, it's the five days up to and including Labor Day. Um, that number last year fell to 4.9 million. So a significant downturn nearly a million vehicles left over that holiday travel period. That makes sense. You know, driving was down significantly anywhere from 30 to 50%, depending on what measure you look at, uh, gasoline sales, gasoline demand, uh, road travel, according to the Federal Highway Administration. So it was off significantly. So that made sense. This year, we were nearly back. Uh, we were 5% below 2019 levels, so we're nearly there. The numbers are skewed a little bit because we're now collecting tolls on the Brooklyn-bound Verrazano Narrows Bridge, and that just started this year. It used to be a one-way toll only. only. So mm. the numbers overall are up, but if you exclude that uh, Brooklyn-bound toll numbers, 
um, they are a little bit lower than last year. So we're coming back. Um, but if we are driving in this town, you would have to say that we're back and beyond where we were uh, before the pandemic. Um, just driving around, it seems like there's traffic all the time. I get up pretty early in the morning. I put on the TV and I have the traffic reports at 5 a.m. And it's busy. It's real busy. It's not jam-packed. But it's busy, super busy at 5 a.m. And it just seems like it doesn't die down. I have to get out on the road to go to media interviews. And there used to be a period I would tell media between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. I can go anywhere in the city, in the tri-state area, and I'll meet you because the traffic is generally down during those hours. That window is gone now. It seems like there's traffic all the time. I saw a story with Gridlock Sam saying that we are at, if not exceeding, pre-pandemic levels as far as traffic is concerned. And if you look at ridership on the Long Island Railroad, which is 50% below where it was pre-pandemic, Metro North, about the same figure, um, NJ Transit, ridership is off, subways, ridership is down. Where are those people going? They're getting in cars and driving. So it seems like we're jammed all the time now. Um, the Labor Day numbers, as far as souls are concerned, say we were 5% below, but, you know, it just seems like on all the other roads that it's, it's busy all the time. Now, this is going to be a personal comment, and it sounds like mm-hmm. with all those folks going through tolls, Robert, even in a down year, uh, the roads should be in a little better shape <laughs> than what they're in uh, with all the money that's being put there. But on the other side of that, with all the traffic that's out there, when do you have time to fix the roads? Does everything have to be midnight to six? Yeah, well, and it seems that if you listen to traffic reports that they're doing a lot of rolling road repair, as you hear on the, uh, the phrase used on the traffic reports, during the day. Mm-hmm. That you get significant traffic jams on, on especially bridges, it seems, due to roving road repair. And look, all these extra vehicles promote extra wear and tear on the roads. And we cannot forget that in our region, we have an inordinate number of trucks on the road. Yes. We don't have, yeah, we don't have a rail freight tunnel from New Jersey to New York City. So whereas most cities get 50% of their freight by rail, 50% of their freight by truck, we get 96% of our freight by truck. Yeah, the, the weight limit for trucks is 88,000 pounds. There's a whole lot of them that are driving around overweight. And we did a study, admittedly, it's, it's pretty old, like 25 years ago, and we found that one truck does the damage, and I'm not misquoting this numbers, one truck does the damage of 20,000 cars. Because you've got all that extra weight concentrated into those 18 tire contact patches uh, that are found in a truck, and they beat the daylights out of the road. And because we have so many trucks, and don't forget, we're right next to a large body of salt water, and that salt Mm -hmm. gets into the air, and that promotes rust and oxidation of all the steel that's used in the bridges and roads and overpasses and what have you. We have a really tough time of it here in New York. And don't forget winter. When winter mm-hmm. comes, we get snow, and then they throw salt on the road, and that promotes more deterioration and oxidation of metal. So, you know, it's, it's tough. All the extra vehicles beat the roads up and lead to uh, poorer pavement quality. I will give uh, kudos to the 
de Blasio administration, the last few years, they've committed lots of extra money to uh, resurfacing a lot of lane miles. If uh, you drive on certain of our highways, you'll see that they've been scraped down to like rough portions, and that happens just before they get repaved. So we're trying to keep up, but you know it's a moving target. You have to drive much faster every day to hit a target that's moving faster and faster away from you, and that's the way it is with our, our road conditions and um, all the traffic that we have in our region. Robert, it's probably just me, but it seems like the BQE has been under construction for the past 30 years. Yeah, now it's down to <laughs> just two lanes uh, in the promenade. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was bad trying to get through. I've got a good friend in uh, Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, and, uh, you know, we haven't been able to see each other because I'm not getting on that BQE. <laughs> and uh, you know, I didn't want to do it before. It's even worse now. And then we're told that's because of structural problems. So that's, I don't know what the plans are to redo it, to reconstruct it. Uh, but that's a particularly bad roadway. And then you get down to the other end, and you got a brand-new uh, Kosciuszko Bridge that's up and running, and it's beautiful, and the approaches to and from it are lovely. Uh just shows what we can do when we put our minds and, and money to it, but you know, it's going to be a long time before anything is done with that particular piece of roadway, and that is a main transit point. A lot of truck drivers will use the strategy, well, they used to, um, because, again, now we have tolls on the Brooklyn-bound Veranzano Narrows Bridge, but they would come into the city uh, via Staten Island and avoid the toll mm. there in getting into the city, and they would leave the city on the George Washington Bridge because there's no toll leaving the city. So the BQE has been a favorite route for trucks for a very long time. don't know if that's changed now much with the uh, tolls on Brooklyn-bound Veranzano Narrows Bridge, but... That is a major artery for truck traffic and deliveries in our city. And with it being narrowed, with its 33% uh, loss of capacity, uh, just makes things much worse. There's no doubt about it. That's the voice of Robert Sinclair. He's the senior manager for public affairs for AAA Northeast. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. When we return, let's talk travel and insurance. Yeah, they kind of go hand in hand, and they might be more important than ever. We'll explain next when New York Sports and Beyond returns on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Let's continue my discussion with Robert Sinclair from AAA Northeast. Robert, let's stick with travel. And I'm really curious because uh, aside from all the things you see from traveling and all the negative things about people just getting so frustrated, they're, you know, physically assaulting uh, crew people on planes and and support folks. Uh, But I'm real interested in insurance, right? And how many people Mm -hmm. that you think about now when you travel, wow, do I really want to make sure I get some insurance that in case I can't make this trip, I don't lose all my money? Is, Is What's the numbers with that? Is that going up? Well, consider that with getting in travel insurance, you had lots of factors already in place that would practically mandate somebody having to get travel insurance. I mean, we've got natural disasters, we've got storms, we've got hurricanes, we've got earthquakes, we've got wildfires, uh, extremes in temperature. It was hitting, if I remember correctly, like 109 
degrees Fahrenheit in Greece and Athens. Mm. Uh, so all these things can wreak havoc with, uh, with travel schedules. Uh, you had uh, uh, one airline, was uh, they didn't have enough personnel, and that's happening to a lot of airlines where due to COVID, but we didn't have enough personnel. Um, so you had all these factors that were already in place that would mandate you getting travel insurance. Then you throw COVID into the mix and lockdowns, not having enough personnel, you know, maybe the airport is closed, you can't go to certain places, all these things. So we did a survey of uh, people that were looking to travel, and 31% said that they were more likely to purchase travel insurance for their trip specifically due to the pandemic and overwhelmingly they cited the benefit of travel insurance and being able to get a refund 69 percent said excuse me getting a refund was the main reason that they were doing this um a lot of people want to travel 55 percent of american adults adults are planning to take a vacation of at least one overnight stay before the end of this year before the end of next year i should say and AAA is a travel agency and recently we've seen bookings 11% 11% over what they were the same time period going back in 2019, uh, the last quote-unquote normal year. So travel insurance is relatively expensive compared to the peace of mind that it offers, and we're seeing more and more people that are taking advantage of it, and it just makes sense given all the things that can happen to interrupt the trip. You know, we've, we've been, what, 18 months now? That pandemic has been affecting us, and people are chomping at the bit to get out and do certain things. And yet, and still, there are limits on attendance at national parks um, around the country. There are limits on attendance at maybe theme parks, state parks, local parks, that sort of thing, um, amusement parks. So these things that people want to do are still somewhat restricted. Uh, for all those that want to take a trip, nobody's cruising. Have you noticed that? There are no mm. cruise ships yeah. at all. They tried a couple of uh, ships out of uh, Florida, I believe it was, and Texas, and people came back positive for COVID, and despite being vaccinated. So cruising isn't happening at all, and that's a, a very popular alternative um, for folks to want to take a trip. In fact, we're seeing bookings for 20, what year is it? 2021. For 2022, we're seeing bookings uh, very popular for um, river cruises in Europe uh, in general and Germany in particular. Hmm. So there's just so much going on related to travel and restrictions. And so folks are taking advantage of travel insurance in a big way. And uh, many companies did not offer pandemic coverage in the past, but they are offering some forms of that coverage now. So if uh, someone is planning the trip, it really behooves them to investigate further with a travel agent um, who's up to date on the latest happenings as far as restrictions and coverages that are available to see if uh, they can uh, get travel insurance to try and cover themselves. If something happens, and unfortunately, it's more and more likely these days than any time in the past. You know, it's interesting, Bob, because... Um, when you think about how many people, there's so many different websites and, and places where you can book mm-hmm. travel, international, domestic, so on and so forth, that you almost think the travel agents uh, are ha- having it even rougher <laughs> than, than the, you know, the carriers themselves. 
because of the need for people to try to, you know, save as much money as possible and, and try to do it independently. Well, that's where a travel agent comes in very handy because they're up to date on the latest happenings as far as availability of packages and that sort of thing. You know, a lot of people have been in the habit of booking their trips themselves. They go to the website, they see a deal. Oh, that's good. Okay, I'll come back and get it. But it's usually gone. Uh, that's that's the kind of uh, X factor when you're booking a trip yourself. Number one, a deal that you see might not be there when you come back later on, so you want to try and book it right away. Um, and number two, if anything untoward happens, if some changes of the cancellations or, or delays or whatever happens, if you have a travel agent, you make a phone call, and they can make all the arrangements for you. If you did it yourself, then you're going to have to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to make those changes and deal with them yourselves and try and get on a website. Who knows? You might be overseas. You might be in a, uh, you might be in the Caribbean. A lot of people are going there these days. Um, so it's it really and if, you know in the interest of full disclosure, AAA is a travel agency, but you know we're seeing more and more that it just makes sense for folks to to book with a travel agent, work with that travel agent, especially if something happens to uh, interrupt their trip. Yeah, and especially with COVID, as you, as you mentioned, Robert, because you've got situations where, okay, it, it may change, and you're over there, you got to get yeah. a flight back, and now you can't get a flight back because you tried to try it right. on your own. Yeah, it's, it's very, it's, yeah, it's or, handy. Or just yeah, just being aware of of some of the protocols. Like, uh, I, I, let me not call the island, but one of the islands in the Caribbean uh, dictates that you have to have either a negative test. Uh, before you travel, or you take a test when you get there, and they have a rapid test. It will come back immediately, let you know that you're uh, negative, hopefully, and then you go and enjoy yourself for however, you know, a week or 10 days, two weeks. Uh, then you have to take a test when you leave. So you have to be prepared for all those different restrictions, and they're different for every location, it seems. But the travel agent will be up on those kind of things so that you can be prepared and have in place what you need. Imagine if you're going to a place and they say you have to have a negative test in uh, the previous 72 hours and they're not testing at the location when you get there. You don't have that test. What are you going to do? Yeah. You can turn around, come home. I mean, what, what? what's going to happen? You better be prepared at a time so you know what to expect when you're trying to take that much-needed trip. There's no question about it. Coming up, more and more children are being hurt in cars. And you won't believe the reason why. We'll explain on New York Sports and Beyond right here on 98.7 ESPN. Thanks for stopping by New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Let's conclude my discussion with Robert Sinclair. Robert, let's talk a little bit about kids. And this time of the year is always concerning for me. That's why we love to have you on. It's the basics, and we say it over and over again, and I know some people may get tired of hearing it, but the reason why we say it over and over again, Robert, is because we see violations of it over and over again. And mm-hmm. it's, it's the basics. It's, uh, you know, the school buses are out now. Make sure you, you don't go past the flashing lights. It's, it gets dark early. Make sure you can see the kids when they cross. Uh, you know, for bikers and, and, and runners, make sure you run on the, the side facing the traffic, not the same side as the traffic when you're walking your animals, stuff like that. And we'll touch right. on all those. But, Robert, the big thing is I, I'm starting to hear more and more about crashes with young people in cars, which means seatbelts aren't on, and, and that's troubling. Yes. Uh, we looked at uh, 
a number of years, 2016 to 2020. And we're looking at the number of children. We're talking about those who are eight years of age and younger. When you're required to be in some sort of infant seat, child seat, booster seat, if you're two years of old, two years of age or younger, uh, the children are supposed to be in a rear-facing infant seat. And despite all of those rules to, to have all those things in place, we saw 13,000 children injured in crashes statewide from 2016 to 2020. 552 of those were seriously injured, and there were tragically 27 deaths. Uh, two of those deaths were in New York City, four in Long Island, and one in Westchester. And shockingly, 38% of the crashes involving the young children, they were in no restraint at all. Not only were they not in the particular safety seat that they were supposed to be in, they weren't even in a seatbelt. So it's, you know, they, they, children cannot protect themselves. They, they, they rely on us to protect them. And in just nearly 40% of the time, the parents are doing nothing to protect their children. And they're getting in a vehicle and they're getting injured and killed as a result. So it's really important that the parents heed the message to be in the proper seat. Now, it is tough because these seats, a lot of children are in seats and still getting uh, injured and killed. So the seat has to be installed properly. And I will let you know that there's a, a, a group of people, child safety seat technicians. These are folks that are trained specifically in the proper installation of a child safety seat. That training is a full week long, five, seven-hour days to train somebody to properly install a child safety seat. Most parents don't even bother to read the instructions that come with the seat. So you have to figure, number one, they're, they're probably doing it wrong if they're doing it. Uh, and number two, hopefully, hopefully they're doing it. But it's really important that when they do install that seat that they get the installation checked by a trained safety seat technician. We have a bunch of them at AAA Northeast, and you can call up and make an appointment. Um, but also there's an organization called Safe Kids. If you go to their website, safekids.org, they have a place on the website, and it's called Find a Tech, Find a Child Safety Seat Technician. Click on there, and you can find one in your local area and make an appointment to have your seat checked. Number one, please have the seat. Number two, go to a professional and make sure that seat is properly installed. Uh, the violence of a crash, there are YouTube videos. And you sit and watch them with people that were in crashes. Uh, there's a series of showing people in the back seats of taxi cabs. And in one case, the one person was restrained, the other wasn't. And they went through an intersection. The vehicle struck them from the side. The person restrained got jostled uh, pretty severely, but, you know, they were held in the seat. The person unrestrained flew across the interior of the vehicle, and it happened in an instant. The mm. violence, severity of being unrestrained in a vehicle is, is just unbelievable. You're, you're subject to just tremendous physical forces when you're tossed about in a vehicle when you're unrestrained. That's why 
Also, now we have laws that say that everyone in the vehicle, including those in the back seat, have to have their seatbelts on. And even if you're in a limo or a taxi or another for-hire vehicle, you have to have that seatbelt on. And certainly, our children have to be in a proper safe child safety seat uh, eight years and younger, and younger, uh, or be if they're that if they're older, uh, they have to be in the seatbelt. And it's just very, very important that we use this basic piece of safety equipment when we're in a vehicle. The, the numbers tell the story, just a, a tragic toll and an unnecessary one. And as I'm driving around, I'm, you know, I'm kind of crazy. I get myself in trouble, but I pull people over when I've been driving alongside them and their children are unrestrained in the vehicle with mm. their knees on the seat their chests up against the back seat and they're looking out the back window. Oh, my God, just something terrible, terrible can happen. And it didn't have to be that severe a crash to send that child hurtling through the interior of the vehicle and to be seriously hurt or killed. Uh, very vulnerable position. I saw a person the other day, the child was sitting backwards in the back seat, meaning that they were, they were like, they were, their back was up against the the back of the front seat and hanging out the window. Mm. And I could not get to them to, to tell them not to do that. And, uh, but it's, it, it just, uh, it hurts me to see these kind of things happening. You know, people will just heed the message, make sure your children are properly restrained when you're driving with them. Two things before we move on from that, Robert. A, mm -hmm. uh, think of it this way, parents, grandparents. If an adult was sitting in the back unrestrained and get hit in how they move, how do you think a child would move throughout that car yeah. if they were unrestrained? Yeah. All right, that's number one. And number two, I'll tell you this, Robert, I'm seeing a lot more kids that appear to be younger now. I don't know about the age that appear to be young sitting in the front seats more and more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you really shouldn't be in the front seat. And, uh, well, you know, we measure things according to age, but it really should be done by size and weight. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy to tell whether or not that child can be in an adult seat with a seatbelt. If your feet touch the floor, they're okay. If their feet don't touch the floor, then they need to be in that booster seat or a child seat. Uh, but that's the key. Uh, and, you know, a lot of children grow independent of age. They're a lot bigger mm -hmm. or smaller for their age. So that's the key. If they're sitting in the seat and their feet can hit the floor, okay, you can use a seatbelt, regular seatbelt. Uh, if they're in the front seat, that should be absolutely the case. Their feet are hitting the floor and they're using that seatbelt. Uh, but you're right. You know, I see youngsters that I'm sure are too small for the feet to be touching the floor and they're in the front seat. Um, can't tell if they've got their seatbelt on, but hopefully they have at least that. But they still need to be in that that proper seat, and that seat has to be in the rear. Mm -hmm. you know, until yeah. your your feet are touching the floor, uh, you have to be in the back seat in the proper type of child restraint, either rear facing infant seat, infant seat, uh, child seat, or booster seat. You see him on TV, you hear him on the radio and all the traffic situations. We've got a couple of minutes that he's joined us this morning. Here's Robert Sinclair, the Senior Manager of Public Affairs for AAA Northeast. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Robert, we're friends. We go back a long way, so I'm going to admit this to you. I was yeah. um, traveling 
a couple of days ago and I thought about you because I was in the far right lane and there was a, a vehicle that pulled off in front of me to go to the, the off, to be off the road and put their hazards right. on. And I just so happened to have enough time to get out of that lane <laughs> to go past them and go back. Mm -hmm. uh, that's been the big thing. You're starting to see it a lot. A lot of uh, public service ads are being mentioned about make sure you slow down and move over when there's, you know, uh, vehicles that are off to the side. Sometimes they're flashing, sometimes they're not. And at night, sometimes, Robert, if they don't have lights on, it's tough to see. You don't know what's going on. But uh, as you and I yeah. discussed before we started this conversation, the numbers are going up, and it's very, very, it's very concerning. There are laws in all 50 states that say when you see flashing lights by the side of the road, you have to slow well below the speed limit, and it's possible to be done safely, change lanes. Uh, we did a survey, and 39% of the drivers that we talked to said they were unfamiliar with such laws, number one. Number two, the numbers are growing. Uh, last year, 46 emergency road service personnel were killed by the roadside someplace in the United States. All of last year, 46. This year so far, with three months remaining, 49 have been killed. 21 police officers, 18 tow truck operators, seven firefighters or EMS personnel, to safety safe service personnel, those are the people like in the help trucks that you see by the side of the road, and one mechanic, one mobile mechanic. Um, there is a website, uh, ODMP, Officer Down Memorial Page, ODMP.org, and they list every police officer that has been killed by the roadside this year. A couple of New York State troopers were killed. There was the officer, New York City police officer, killed in the Long Island Expressway um, back in March, I believe it was. So, you know, we have this great reverence and respect for our emergency responders. We just celebrated, commemorated 20 years after 9-11 and all the ERS people that we lost in that event and yet when they're by the side of the road we seem to lose our reverence for them and uh, they get struck um i know there's a, a tow truck driver that uh, works for one of our shops out on long island and he had uh, a vehicle up on a flatbed and uh, there's uh, an extra piece of apparatus that lets him do a wheel tow at the back of the flatbed truck and he was climbing the stairs to get back into his truck, and a drunk driver struck the back of uh, the, the second vehicle that he was towing, pushed the, all three vehicles forward, and knocked him off his vehicle. Fortunately, only suffered a bruised elbow. And that was on the westbound Long Island Expressway near Motor Parkway. A uh, drunk driver did that. We had a couple of tow truck operators in Connecticut that was severely injured, uh, that were struck. Uh, in one case, uh, a woman struck our driver, he flew in the air, was left in the middle of the road, and the driver fled the scene. Uh, he suffered just a, a devastating number of injuries to so his legs, ribs, arms, uh, nearly dead, but survived. Uh, it's just a terrible, terrible toll, and we just have to keep in mind 
these laws um, that when you see those flashing yellow lights, slow well below the speed limit and, if possible, move over. Now, you mentioned school buses. There is a tremendous number of people who are passing school buses that are stopped by the road. And let me, let me express the law, how strong the law is as far as school buses are concerned. When a school bus is, is stopped with lights flashing, you have to stop even if you are on the other side of the road. And that road could be the New York State Thruway. So if you're northbound on the Thruway and you see a school bus pulled over by the side of the road with its lights flashing on the southbound side, you're supposed to stop. Now, certainly if that applies to the Thruway, big, busy highway like that, it's going to apply to local roads. But a lot of school buses now have cameras on them, and it's in the thousands, the mm -hmm. number of cars that are going around, stopped school buses with their lights flashing. So we need to, to mention that now their kids are back in school. Uh, SODC, schools open, drive carefully. So that message must be communicated that particularly in the afternoons, uh, when kids are getting out of school, it's necessary that you ex exercise extreme caution as a driver. You know, the kids arrive at school in the morning in dribs and drabs, uh, but they are released en masse all at the same time in the afternoon. And that's when the situation is particularly dangerous. And if I'm rambling a little bit here, stop me. But I wanted to mention, uh, I think you mentioned um, mm -hmm. daylight saving time. It, it yeah. gets dark earlier. Yeah, we looked at uh, numbers and we found that in, say, the, and that happens November 7th, Sunday, November 7th this year, the clocks fall back. And in the month after, we will see a doubling in the number of pedestrian knockdowns, PKDs. Um, it gets darker earlier. We're not adjusted to, accustomed to the lower light conditions at those hours. And, you know, it just the, the numbers go up. In the month before um, the, the, the switch from uh, saving time to, to standard time, we see a certain level, I believe it was 41 in New York City, uh, pedestrians were struck. Mm. After, in the month after the switch to standard time, that number doubles. It went up to 82, the number of pedestrians struck. Manhattan, the worst location for that to happen. Brooklyn, second. Queens, third. Um, so it's just very important that in the, in the afternoons with the children and uh, coming up soon with the switch, uh, the fall by falling back of the clock, that we exercise that extra caution on the roads. Um, and then you get so winter's coming, and well, poor farmers' almanac said it's going to be a snowy winter. Oh, no. Well, that happens. <laughs> it's just going to just get even more treacherous on the roads. And like I was talking about earlier, there's a lot more vehicle on the roads. So mm -hmm. um, transportation engineers have what they call conflict points. Those are opportunities for people to run into each other. And when there are more vehicles, there's more conflict points. There's more opportunities people to run into each other, to run into cyclists, to run into pedestrians. The roads just get very, very dangerous, much more dangerous, uh, particularly as uh, we have less daylight and as uh, the weather turns poor. And and pedestrians can help drivers by wearing some light clothing, too, or, or the reflector 
vest or something like that so you can't mm-hmm. be seen because sometimes it's not always always the driver's fault no so they just don't and, see them uh, no you don't see them or the people are distracted by their cell phones and they just walk out into the streets um i say four or five lives a week by people who just walk out into traffic and they cross against the light they they cross in the middle of the block. I remember that song when I was growing up. Don't cross the street in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle of the block. Use your eyes to see, use your ears to hear. Walk up to the corner when the coast is clear. Wait, wait, wait. And then cross when the, when the light is green. Um, we need to learn those those lessons, relearn them, um, so that uh, we can we can cut down on these these tragic tolls that's going on. It's it's tough. We're, we're all working hard. The pandemic has us stressed. Uh, we see speeding is up significantly, and speeding was up significantly last year, uh, despite so much less driving. Uh, we did a study of speed camera tickets uh, from January through March, and then March through June, and we saw that the violations uh, that would March when the schools closed from March till June, we saw violations went up overall. 250% and at some locations, 1,000% hmm. uh, roads were empty and people were speeding. Uh, that's, that's a pandemic. Uh, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says that uh, last year, uh, highway fatalities were 7% higher than the year before. Despite much less driving, people are drinking. They're yeah. not wearing their seatbelts. They're yeah. speeding. Oh, and by the way, they're driving after smoking marijuana with so many more states making it legal these days. So there's so much more going on in the roads. It's more complicated. We need to take it easy. We need to be mindful of all the the, the dangers that exist out on our roads and do everything that we can to cut those dangers. You know, I, I was talking with one of our traffic uh, safety instructors, and she was telling me that if we could get people to stop drinking and driving, stop smoking and driving too, and get them to wear the seatbelts and get them to slow down, obey the speed limits. We could cut fatalities by fifty or sixty percent. That's incredible. Just by those, That's yeah. Incredible. Wait those till you get home. Activities. Wait till you get home. Where it's yeah, safe. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and particularly with 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 drinking and driving, we've communicated mm-hmm. the message very strongly that you should not drink and drive. It has to be communicated as far as smoking. You want to smoke marijuana? It's legal. That's your business. Just don't drive afterwards. Yep. That's that's the key. Absolutely. Bob, we run out of time for this morning. So next time you join us, because I, I know you are a passionate Met fan. Passionate. Yeah. So after some of these changes, and this was a tough year, Robert, tough year. <laughs> so, so after some of these changes are made, and a couple have already been made, uh, I want to get your yeah. thoughts on the season. So we'll do that as well. But for right now, my friend, listen, we'll talk soon. Thanks so much for the information. It is always imperative. That's why we'd love to have you on because you have great info. So we thank you. And listen, keep up the great work and give our regards to you and your colleagues over at AAA. Larry, thank you very much for having me. I hope everyone will be safe out on the roads. Be careful. Uh, the life you save might be your own. And uh, can the Mets do some off-season conditioning and get ready for next year, please? Uh, that would be nice. We'll talk soon, my yeah. friend. Take care. <laughs>
Okay, you too, Larry. Thanks for having me. That wraps up this edition of New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Remember, this morning at 7.30, Greg Buttle, Dan Grassa, the early edition of Jets Countdown to kick off here on 98.7 ESPN. Special thanks to Ray Santiago. Special thanks to the coach, Anthony Pusick. We'll see you during the week right here on 98.7 ESPN, New York.